Hey, Free Feed lovers, you're on the free feed, which means you're missing out. Come join us at Patreon or Apple Premium. That's right. You can go to patreon.com slash breaking social norms or just mash the button on Apple Premium and you unlock early access to every episode, ad-free experience, and bonus content we do called Morning Coffee with the Wise Ups. So support your favorite show and sign up now. Links are always in the show notes. Welcome back to Breaking Social Norms. We are the Wise Hops. Josie's bang, Josie's banging stuff around. <laughs> we are going to start a journey today, folks. Join us. We're gonna. We talked about this book on this show. I don't even know how many times. Probably since the first episode. It is the couple communication collaborative marriage skills book. It's a very uh, scholarly kind of text. Looks like something you'd get if you went to a college course of some kind. If you're wondering where to get it, the authors are Sherrod Miller, Phyllis Miller, Elam Nunali, and uh, Daniel Wackman. Trying to find a. The ones we have is copyright 2007 by the International Communication Programs Act. Um, now, we, st- we did this as part of a. Uh, couples therapy we did with our therapist mm-hmm. our marriage counselor and we've talked about this many times in the past because it's I don't know what do you, what do you, why do we bring this up all the time Josie well I know in my family that we didn't we weren't taught like healthy communication styles I, I had never really seen a, and you know what's so funny is that like I almost, I don't know if I want to say romanticized, but I liked that my family talks a certain way. I used to, it used to be an an identity of, we were, it wasn't mean. It's so weird, like being out of it now for so long, like 20 years out of it at this point that like when I'm back into the way that they talk with each other, I am a little bit like, okay, that's a lot of the problems that are getting started Mm. in the house. But how do you, how do you notice that? Is it a feeling you feel more anxious or off, off kilter? Like what, what, what is the triggering? Well, I think definitely when you, when you walk into my mother's home, you feel their anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I didn't recognize that for a really long time and I didn't, and this isn't me talking shit. Like I want, you know, I love my family and I actually think that they're, um, really interesting human beings because for how rough and blunt we talk to each other, we really have each other's back. Like we, I mean, really, really show up for each other. Mm-hmm. Like to an extreme, mm-hmm. and so I th- I always put that into my into my identity of a person of being like, um, you know, like I don't know, I'm gonna tell you the truth, and this might be a little bit of the European in us mm-hmm. of being like valuing extreme honesty, but then and talking bluntly with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, could you ever be around like really European people? They're fucking mean as hell. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this from because 
we go to oh let me finish the intro of what we're doing here and then we'll oh, okay. go right come right back to uh european well, anyway so the, the european I, talking. I felt like we started therapy to learn how to communicate with each other because we didn't have the skills growing up you were i was too blunt and harsh and you were avoidant yes and we'll, and we'll talk about the about what those things mean and, and the reason we're talking about it is because i think everyone can benefit from this i think even if you just grasp a couple ideas from this it's going to literally change your life I, I more agree. than anything else more yes. than all the conspiracy bullshit i talk about i mean this yeah. is this is do you want to make your life better like, this is it this is it and, and it, it is a and it, this is this is collaborative marriage skills but i'm telling you that this has changed my professional life um immensely and, and not to mention my like friendships with people this is the thing that has done you literally can take these skills and they change you as a human being to have better relationships mm-hmm. any and 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 put in whatever adjective you want there like any kind of like relationship you want there it doesn't matter uh personal uh professional you know it di- it does t- probably with your children mm-hmm with your parents, it does not matter. These skills translate into every relationship. Exactly. And for men, I you know, I know myself being a man, and we'll talk about the struggles with this whole thing. Uh, for men, this is going to be very valuable. You're going to, because look around, most men are going to, they're probably already tuned out. <laughs> if you made it this far, you're already getting a leg up on, on, on being a better man, being a better than most of the men out there. Don't listen to the fucking these assholes or you know get up at four a.m. get in the ice bath. Man, fuck all that shit. Yeah, you need communication. That's what your wife wants. Yes. Or if you're not married, like you want to pick up chicks, like fucking learn to communicate. Listen, yeah. talk to them. Pretend they're a human being for once. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So, anyways, we're gonna talk about this book, mm-hmm. and it's gonna take several episodes. Today, we're gonna shoot to get through the introduction. I'm sure we'll be talking background of how we got here. I'm sure we're going to talk about very triggering things of things we unpacked in our marriage. Uh, but today, the goal is to get through the introduction, and then we're going to go. We'll probably do it one chapter at a time. I don't know if it'll be consecutive shows necessarily. No, probably not. Probably not. But there's going to be five. The plan is five episodes. Well, six, I guess. Introduction plus five chapters. And uh, today we're just doing the introduction, but we'll we'll put a an image of what the book looks like you can get it on amazon i think it's where we got ours i don't i don't know we, no, we bought, bought it from we him. got it from our therapist yeah uh you know anyway um, can i just say invest in your marriage invest in growth the, so like you said people it's such a thing right now to be doing the ice baths and to you know they they are Everybody is so focused on physical that they forget that the mental, our brains is what, they can make us sick. Mm. The worry, the anxiety, the all of that shit, it will translate into your health. It does. Mm-hmm. You can't just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on fucking trucking. It does not happen. That is why I feel like so many people are numbing out with sex food alcohol drugs those are the things that numb us because the other things get overwhelming Mm -hmm. 
our it, feelings get overwhelming and it's important to like give space for that not get cons- this is the other part though i think our generation is like the numb out and keep on trucking type of generation and the generations below us the, the younger generations mm-hmm. use it as as identity yeah which is like it, you cannot do that either yeah i agree with that our generation was uh, what are they called latchkey kids the both parents started working and they said here watch some tv or whatever you got to do get your homework done have a snack shut the fuck up and that's uh you know that was one of the lessons i learned from this book and i don't remember i don't know what chapter we'll cover that but i tend to dissociate and look folks i we've had these books for at least 10 years and it's improved my communication a lot but it's Far from a perfect communication. Yeah, I think it's we've... very far from it. <laughs> I still struggle with the same concepts I struggle with the day we read it. I struggle with them. But are they better? Yes. Are they perfect? Hell no. Yeah. So like, don't like I get hard on myself because I'm like, God dang, like I I haven't mastered this. But I mean, I think I did that too to. when we did like Bible study or when we would do book club at church, and we would l- read these monastic books. And we would talk about like how to actually show up in our religion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to heaven. Like, this is not I'm not doing this. I'm not that good of a person. OK, that's a good analogy there. And I was like, this is what we're supposed to do. I'm like, I can't fuck. I'm not going to do this. I cannot do all of this. And father said the best thing to me. He was like, these are the goals. This is the shiny star. Mm. And we just work towards it. Like I think that that's what life is. Isn't being perfect. It's seeing the goal and and when we fall off track to redirect and and find our our true north star again. Mm-hmm. These are our north stars, right? Mm-hmm. We just got to find the thing. Yeah, totally. Now you were talking about the Europeans at the Greek Orthodox Church. There's of course some intermingling of Russian Orthodox people because. Yeah, you know, there's not a ton of Russian Orthodox churches in Utah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, they'll show up at our church. And they're very blunt people, it seems. I mean, I don't know any other Russians, but I don't I think it's a European thing. They take I, I heard a thing where where these French people were talking about how Americans are fake. We give fake compliments constantly. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense because we li- this whole capitalist system there was a video you were watching it and I was just listening about how the U S like the we're all, oh, I think it was pro mania 5,000 or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. The redhead dude from Philly. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how we just live in this false illusion in America that there's all these free market companies and there's really just five companies oh, that yeah. own everything. Yeah. And it's just, everything's an illusion in America. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, this is what he was saying. He was like, nobody smiles at other people. Nobody says, oh, that's a nice pair of shoes that you have. I love your shoes in Europe. And this is what I'm, I'm going off of this by TikTok. So if you're European and you're listening to this and you're in that, it doesn't have a ring of truth to you. Um, I'm sorry. You know, like, oh. Um. Take it with a grain of salt. This is just what I'm seeing on TikTok. TikTok is bullshit. So we're just going to go off of 
assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so my assumption is is that they don't do that. We've never been to Europe. I've never been there. But uh, the guy was like, but I live. I went to America, and people would stop me, and they would be like, oh, I love your jacket. You look so ha- that's so handsome. Where did you get that? Or those shoes look so cool. And they would stop and talk about their outfit. Uh-huh. And he was like, and I don't care that it was and I don't care that it was fake because it made me feel good. Oh, I interesting. felt okay. nice to, yeah. to, to have that. And I had commented on there, why would we lie about that? I literally stop people constantly and give them compliments. If they have an outfit yeah. or they have a way about them that's like really interesting and cool, I love to tell them about that because it's like sometimes you put a lot of effort into who you are as a person and that and sometimes that reflect you reflect that with the clothing that you choose mm-hmm. and i think that that's such a fun way to express yourself and i love to be like dude i love your style i, don't think, I mean I don't think it in I america tr- that tons of people give compliments is that is that the i get a lot of compliments like people yeah. stop me and tell me how yeah, they love true. my hair and they tell me about my clothes or whatever like i i get compliments i give compliments and i get compliments and i don't think that these people go out of their way to stop me to give me a beautiful compliment hang on stop it oh <laughs> tina's got her bone everyone she's parading around making noise crying. <laughs> i wouldn't waste my time breath or energy to stop somebody to tell them that it doesn't it doesn't make any sense so for europeans that listen that think that 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 is um fake or fakey it isn't i don't know what you think that americans would get out of that there's nothing that they get out of that Mm. you know and that it that so what i was going to say is the russian orthodox are uh from my experience very blunt and i heard somewhere that in the soviet union during the Soviet Union, the Russian people couldn't trust anybody, so they valued, like, trust was their number one commodity. So if you were blunt with someone, that somehow translated to... You're safe. You're safe with that person. Um, so that's why that culture did. So maybe that's all of Europe, or that's spread throughout... I don't know. That's I, interesting. But that's, It became a necessity. <clears throat> there's, like, a safety in there, yes. apparently, and that's it's strange. Like, your your mom doesn't give out compliments. No. No, if she tells you something, she means it. Well. So I just think it's a fun, I don't know. I don't think that Americans are fake. I think that if somebody stops you to give you a compliment, there is absolutely nothing that they get out of that. Hmm. I I agree with that. And I think if you think about it, we are very... Uh, capitalist, we really embody the capitalist ideas in mm-hmm. America. We really lean into it. And so if that's the case, it would be only for, you would only behave in ways that would get you something. And I don't think that that gets you anything. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Anywho. Communication. All right. The introduction. Where Where are we starting here? I just highlighted a couple things that I thought was really fun. Now, you're going to have to guide this conversation. This is definitely more in your wheelhouse of 
interests, I should say, uh, more than than me. Okay. So, so I, like I said, I'm still trying to learn. I feel like you are levels ahead of me on the, all this stuff. Oh, I don't think so. Mm. I don't. I don't think that. Well, do you want to start with the goals, or do you want to start with the introduction oh, chapter? Yeah, There's like a two-page thing on goals. Yeah, th- yeah. Let's talk goals because this is the goals for all of us, right? We're all going to be part of this. Also, I feel like the reason that we decided to start this this like because we have been talking about doing this for so long, and I think that. Um, one of the motivators that really like kind of put it into our like okay we definitely have to start this is because we are ki- we are going into a political season and I think it is really really important for all of us to learn to be kind to each other and gentle with each other as human beings and be like okay well we might not see things on the same level but we can have healthy discussions in a way that we can kind of like find truth in it. Mm-hmm. Like you tell me your truth and I'll tell you my truth. And then let's let's see what's what resonates for each other. I just feel like it's about to get really negative. Yeah. And it's out there. We, and we, I well, really. We already, lived, we already lived through this. We already we just did this four years ago. And we, so we already know what's coming. Yeah. I just don't want. I just want to really spread and lean into positivity and and teaching each other how to and in our limited capacity. We're obviously not therapists. We're just gonna give you our experience and, and the information that really resonates for us. Yeah. Okay. Goals. Tell me tell me the goals. <laughs> what are we all trying to do here? Um, I, the ones that really like stuck out for me was help make better decisions and resolve issues skillfully. I think that sometimes we, um, like, especially with my mother, she is a very, very emotional person, but her emotions feel so strong that she thinks it's logic. And I think that that is such an interesting perspective. It's, it's like the opposite of logic. I guess I don't know. <laughs> We're having major dog drama today, everybody. I know our little our little brown demonic chihuahua is not having a good time today. She tried to jump on my lap and she oh, banged is that her what head. Happened? Oh man! Now <laughs> it says make better decisions, and you're saying that your mom, who runs primarily off of emotion, she does always say that. She does always say Think something logically. logical. Think logically. Think logically. And I'm like, bitch, you are emotional. You lean hard into emotions. Which, like, what are you talking about? Which I think in our society, people look down upon that. I don't think that's... I think that that's I why she's categorized it logic. Yeah. I think you need logic and you need emotion. But the, our, our society, for whatever reason, it, it thinks that, you know, logic and engineering and science is the end-all, be-all. And it's completely not. Like, yeah. Like, both things have value. Yes. But you hear it all the time. People say, well, don't go to school for a liberal arts degree. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, there's value in arts. I mean, arts inspire us and make life worth living. So I don't know. Yeah. Should we just have nerds write computer programs for more apps that tear us apart? Is that <laughs> what we want? And I thought um, liberal arts just meant that you study things outside of your 
outside of your <laughs> like major? <laughs> I don't know. I have a science degree. I couldn't tell you. I don't oh, know. Oh, I, I thought liberal arts. <laughs> I thought just it was meant it. like liberal liberal arts, like uh, no, I don't music so. and fine arts and poetry. I and I, I don't I, freaking yes, know. Yes, kind of. But I think that it's like, you know how you have electives and stuff like that? It's like you take a, a course in like cinematography or you take a course in photography and those you have like a certain amount of credits that go towards Oh, uh, those are electives that's what i'm saying oh electives having the otherwise you'd go to a technical school right like a technical school wouldn't have you go you only study the thing that you're studying oh okay yeah you're 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 100 percent right <laughs> Oh, okay. So you're a smart person. It says here, a liberal arts degree is a foundational knowledge across many subject areas from art, philosophy, language, history, science, and math. And I, I studied with my science degree. I took primarily science and math with my electives, which was, I don't know, a quarter of the credits. Yeah. Was, I took philosophy and, uh, you know, cinema arts and things like that. Yeah. So maybe this is like flip-flopped where... The most of your classes are a variety of things, which actually no, no, no. is pretty fun. I think fun. that they say... I think they call it a, it's a liberal arts college, meaning that you will take lots. They have they offer lots of things. It's not a technical college. Oh, okay. That that's my understanding. I'm a, I'm not that smart. Shoot, of I a I don't know. You got me. But I think that we all, not me, but we all love um, Joe Rogan because he's a Renaissance man. Yes, well put. You know what I mean. He just happens to be well versed in a lot of male interests. But know? he likes philosophy. Uh-huh. He enjoys he he enjoys fighting and health. He is a liberal arts person. Men actually respect the Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. People look up to, if you have if you're well versed in art or in wine. It makes you look sophisticated. I don't know why all of a sudden we're shitting on this. It says right, it says right here. Uh, I mean, just a brief Google search. Could be wrong, but it says, Joe Rogan attended the University of Massachusetts, Boston. After graduating high school, he pursued a major in arts. See? see? But dropped out after three years. But anyway. But he's not just an, art, he's not just an arts guy. He's, he has a mind for that and then also has researched other things fascinating it is fascinating i just don't think we should shit on that kind of shit stuff. i agree good i'm gonna you use that from wide... now on because everyone respects joe rogan yes but but like all these conspiracy guys they shit on college and i'm like i don't know man it helped me open my mind up to a lot of things i, I think joe rogan too i think it's interesting when people shit on college because to me it's not the only way to make money but it's interesting because i want to be like i think the rich people don't want the poor people getting degrees and competing with their their rich children. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it seems like for me. Mm-hmm. They want to keep a, a slave working class. They need nice a slave. Yes, you can't have all the chiefs. And, no. You know, you got to have some worker bees in yeah. there. And they're not entirely wrong. We need there's a shortage of blue collar workers. It seems and I mean, well, they you can don't make want good their kids of that. to don't... be a blue worker, a blue yeah. collar worker. Yeah. You know, like that. It's just whenever somebody's really pushing something, it, it feels like a manipulation to me. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, OK, well, why do you say that? And then I'm like, mm, what is that? Thou thou protest a bit too much or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you're being a little too loud on this. Uh-huh. What is that? 
It just makes my spidey senses tingle a little. You don't want to be in the blue collar brotherhood? No, I think that I love blue collar. I, I think I am blue collar. Um, <laughs> like I'm joking. I think that they, they don't, don't want, want competition for their children. Yeah. Because now it's not good enough that you have a master's degree. So everybody has master's degree. Yeah. So they're not setting themselves apart from anything. Yeah. Just and it's saying. true, but you know, because I was a, I was a, in the blue collar brotherhood for many many years, and for me to switch over to the white collar world, it was very difficult. And I had a three point nine GPA engineering degree with a math minor, and you would think, oh, that's easy to get a job in nope. engineering. I couldn't even get a job in engineering. I had to take a job in like supply chain stuff. Yeah. And. I and it's because my resume, I had this blue collar stink on me, and I heard I had many people tell me that. Oh, really? Yes, I, it it was kind of the common thing, and I thought, no way, people respect. I always thought, no, people respect that. They respect that I'm a guy who actually knows what I'm talking about when I'm working on. I used to work on this stuff, and half of these guys never turn a wrench in their life. Yeah. No, they don't. They don't respect it at all. There's a classist s- system set up, so of course these these you know Illuminati uh, blue blood lizard people of course they don't respect the they, workers they don't respect blue collar they don't even respect white collar they respect bloodlines yeah i mean there's levels to it anyway we're well, not yeah, talking anyway, conspiracy so today i so. like i like the idea that they say that learning to, to communicate actually makes better decisions because i think that that's absolutely the truth that if you can collaborate with your husband or your spouse or who or in a workplace if you know if you learn the tools to to do this, you will come to a better conclusion. Mm-hmm. I feel like just the more diverse, like diversity. I feel like the more eyes on it, the more information we can collect, the closer to truth that we get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, and then increase satisfaction in your relationship. I think this is so important. I I I think that so many people have children. And they get their lives wrapped up in these little humans that um, are loud and needy and you lose your marriage within the raising of your children. I imagine. I mean, we we obviously don't have kids, so we don't. I'm looking for I'm an outsider looking in and I see lots of people that they white knuckle it through their children getting through school. And once their kids are out of the house, their marriage falls apart and they divorce. Yes. So Happened I'm just, in my family. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that's um, I think that part of the reason why the communications is important and the goals are to increase satisfaction is because. We, you know, we know this from experience being married what 20 years ish. Well, and that we're you, unique because we don't have anything to um, take our focus off of each other. Like there is no child in here to to. That, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, because I think I think we we'll have fights about stuff, and well, before we did all this stuff, we would have fights. I mean, we still do. I, I would yeah. argue we still this still happens a little, but not as much. Yeah, we'll have an argument about something, a disagreement. We can't really come to a, a happy conclusion where we both feel seen and heard and understand each other. Mm-hmm. And when you have kids, I think that's an easy enough distraction yeah. to just be like, "I don't have time for this. I have to put the kids to bed or whatever. Fill right. in the blank. I got to run them to soccer, whatever." Yeah, and 
it's an easy out because I know from this book that when we fight, I want so hard to dissociate. Yeah. In fact, when we first took this these courses, as we're going to learn in, I think, chapter two, one of the styles of responding for me, I realized because we were having a fight one evening and I grabbed my phone and started just, I don't know, looking at something. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Instead of engaging with you. Yeah. Because I was so fed up with the conversation and fighting and everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, that's exactly what the book says I was going to do. <laughs> it says you will find sort of strategies of how to not confront the, the issue and not communicate it out. And the, down the road in this book, it also talks about how you have to not look at arguments and disagreements as a negative thing. It's a way to dislodge the um, dysfunction. It's like something's not working mm-hmm. and you got to think of it like a log jam. You got a log jam there. Something's not working and you can either ignore it and have the fucking pressure back up and then have a blowout that that blow. The pressure's going to back up. You're going to get irritated and then it's going to take nothing and you're going to be like, fuck this. And you're going to snap on them and start not communicating in a, a healthy way. But I would... I would always be like, oh, God, we're fighting a lot. This must mean something about who we are or how what our relationship is. But I actually think that um, once you get a little bit having healthier communication styles, that those blocks, those those releases, those pressure releases can actually be super duper beneficial. And if you can learn to kind of weather the storm a little bit, have a little bit of compassion for each other and empathy and see each other's truth through those hard times, like when somebody's not showing up at their best, then come back together, renegotiate. Dude, it's fucking, it's magical, man. From hearing you, you're saying the process is get backed up explosion then feel relief (laughs) 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 no but seriously though uh i feel like and i don't you have a much better memory for these things than i do in our relationship i feel like since we've taken this course if if prior to the course a hundred percent of our fights went unresolved which it was probably close to that i would guess Mm mm-hmm after this course, te- you know, using these skills, but, you know, slowly sort of incorporating these tactics after, you know, I don't know how many years it's been, 10 years or so. I don't know, maybe only 20% of our fights go unresolved, maybe something like that. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel that way, too? Yeah, and I would even put that number at like 10%. I love that. Yeah, Thank I, you. I think, and, and you <laughs> have done a lot of work, and I feel very seen by you, Um well, this Probably is what's in the last four years, oh, yeah? you have really done a 180. You know what it is? so beautiful. You know what helps is not going not going into the office every day. Yeah. That adds so much stress. To your, you don't realize it until it's gone. Yeah. I mean, it could be a combination of that and plus I took on an easier job that wasn't, I didn't have to like, you know, travel out of town as much. I don't know. The, the, the stress from the day job compounded so many freaking issues for me yeah that i think i just was drowning and i just there's no there was no way for me to like ever let off the gas i don't know 
Yeah. Or or maybe or not. Maybe it's just it took well, that long for things to come this <clears throat> direction. No, I think that that was the truth, and I think um, ketamine. Oh yeah, there's that too. I feel like ketamine really blew your mind open, and you started looking at stuff in a new through a new lens. Ego death got me. Yeah, I got you. It worked. It it really did work well for you. Yeah, yeah life changing stuff. Okay. I let the ground rules on there. It says um, that you have to have people participate voluntarily. I think that that is absolute truth. Like, I can't stand it. You ever see it? Like my, I had somebody dating a person who. You know when they'll be like, I go, I take you out to dinner, but then they like dress like a schlub and then they aren't very fun and interactive with their spouse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's uncomfortable it's like sometimes. They, I see that. Yeah. It's like they do, the, they go through the motions, but then they don't know how to show up in. So it's like, you have to really lean into this idea of being like, I want to connect deeper with my person that I've decided to build my life with. Like that, it, you're, you're saying that's the when when there's this for women, when there's this, I don't know, movie version of going on a dinner date. Mm-hmm. What's the underlying thing? Like it's not it's not entirely about oh I want to eat good food and not have to cook and clean. It's not entirely about that. Um, it's not entirely about let's get dressed up and look nice but are you saying that it's mostly no the main underlying thing because because you could have a dinner date and go to mcdonald's mm-hmm. or ruth chris right mm-hmm. and you could have a dinner date at ruth chris where the husband is on his phone the entire time looking at the sports game and not talking to the wife I, we've seen it and it's yes. so painful to see yeah at, i think it was at ruth chris we saw it yeah yeah and the you know the woman's dressed really nice and she's just kind of looking around and you can see the fucking pain in her eyes like oh my god this if fucking If people shit think sucks. that you're going to get married and not be lonely, you are out to fucking lunch. That you don't it's not just the dating isn't over after the nuptials. Mm-hmm. You have to date these people. So oh, what what I was going with that as a metaphor to help guys understand I'm thinking is or you could have I could take you to McDonald's and I am engaging with you and we're laughing and we're having a good time. And like, that's more romantic than the Ruth Chris. Is that, is that, am I, is that right? Am I jiving? Yeah. I, it's just, it's more important about the energy and the connection when it comes to a dinner date. It's more, uh, it, it's more about being positive when you're there. Meaning it's the, like, it's the fast times at Ridge High. Say it. What do you mean? Remember when uh, the guy who's the ticket scalper is trying to teach the other guy how to pick up women? He's like, okay, man, everywhere you go, you got to be like, wow, man, look at this place. Isn't this great? It's remember great because I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that? <laughs> the, wherever you are, that's the place wherever to you be. Are. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> remember that scene? Yes. That always stuck with me because I watched that as a kid. Oh. Yeah, there's something to that, right? It's uh, It's... And and that's just not just a female thing. I think human beings are drawn to positive energy and and uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not really putting out positive energy that you're excited to be with someone if you're dissociating on a phone or whatever, right? And I'm not trying to pick on guys. Like if you're listening to this and you're like feeling triggered, you're like, oh, this is this is what I'm doing. Like, don't take it that way. I, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or whatever. Like, look, I did this. I do this. 
shit, I still do it. <laughs> I but I catch myself now. Now that I know I do it, I'm like, oh fuck, I'm doing that thing. Like like literally, we'll have a conversation and one of our biggest. I'll fights turn the TV this. off sometimes, and I'll be like, okay, I could see myself looking at the screen and trying to get away from this, and I'll have to sort of turn it off, reposition myself to stare at you, and be like, okay, now let's talk because this is a serious conversation. This isn't a in passing, what do you what do you want to fucking do for dinner kind of conversation? Well, this is when we went to the um so the solar eclipse up in Idaho. Uh, what is that called? The path of totality yeah, eclipse. Well, yes, in we went up there, and I really didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I could have said, "Fine, we'll go," and then I'm mopey, or I'm like just doing it to be and making the whole trip fucking miserable because I'm doing something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, I did it." Well, so what? I did it. Here I am. I did it for you. Yes. So it's like, well, not really. You acted like a fucking idiot the whole time. And it took <clears throat> all of the fucking... You stole the joy out of the room. Mm-hmm. So it's that. It's like you can't just be like, oh, I took her to dinner. And you didn't engage with her and talk with her and, and do that stuff. It's like... though You you don't just get a... Sh- just Your presence doesn't make it... Uh, I did the thing. It's like, not really. Here's what's difficult for men. We are, and this isn't, well, it's kind of an excuse. We are raised, it feels like we're raised to not communicate as well as women do. Mm -hmm. And, And that was when we had our fight coming back from Idaho, which by the way, if you haven't had the joy of having a major halfway to divorce fight, while you're stuck in traffic for eight hours, <laughs> you haven't lived. <laughs> Fuck. It was so bad. That was our nastiest fight ever. It, I was so I was so <laughs> mad but at what you. What I didn't understand, and this is what I didn't understand, because you are just great all the time. You're fun. You're always smiling. You're always looking for a good time. You always keep things light. Like, that's why I love you. And I just thought that just comes natural to you because that's you, mm-hmm. is what I thought. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until... I don't know, even years after that fight, I didn't even understand it for a minute, I think, is that you show up that way and you bring the energy to make it that way. And then I understood that and I was like, okay, that's why she was mad at me is because I don't show up that way all the time. Yeah. And that is difficult for me for a couple of reasons, right? But for men, I don't, we don't, we don't have the skills always mm-hmm. of knowing how to strike up conversation. Um, I, and I found that this to be more of a trait when I was in the blue collar brotherhood. Because mm-hmm. you talk to blue collar guys and like it's a different world of communication than it is in the offices. In the offices, they, people can schmooze way better. They lean into stoicism. Yeah. Heavy. 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 Yeah. And 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 in the blue collar brotherhood, it's um you get more respect the more sort of manly and stoic you are. Yeah. And the tougher you are and the less you talk. It's like your words are more powerful when you speak less of them is kind of the vibe. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It's really weird. They, they it's a weird I it's a weird sort of stew men are baked in. But this is what I think of. I think of this in every interaction that I go into. Everything is energy. And if everything is energy, you have positive and negative energy. There's not a whole lot of neutral energy, right? So even if you're like a stoic person, 
and you think, okay, I'm going to show up. At, let's say we have a party and you ha- and you invite a bunch of really mild-mannered, quiet, stoic, blue-collar guys that just come in and, you know, they'll chuckle. They don't really laugh. They don't hard-belly laugh. You know, they don't, they don't really chat. They'll sit there and listen and observe. Like, that's the kind of men it is. They think that that's a neutral thing or, or a positive thing, but it actually... Every interaction is either you are putting energy into that place or you are taking energy out. Right, right, right. That is it. There is no neutral. So if you're being quiet and not engaging because you're either a, um, I don't know, what is that? Like a, a introvert or a, um, not sensitive. What's the word I'm looking for? Shy. You're a shy person. Yes. The problem is with that is you don't add to the energy of that activity, right. whatever that activity is. So you basically you're a you're actually pulling away from the fun. Mm-hmm. It's not fun, and I think that that's why booze is so great mm-hmm. for um, parties because it kind of gets people to like drop their inhibitions a little bit, and they can get a little louder, especially men. They can get a little louder. They can be a little more silly, and it's like, well, I was drunk, and I'm allowed to right. do that now. And, and why is that? Because it has to suppress this programming for men. Yeah, but maybe like let's not do that. Sure, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's people out there who th- this is these are brand new ideas, and I think they have to. I don't know. I'm going to throw as many ideas out as because it's got to yeah. something's got to stick to make people like plant that seed to be like. Oh shit! Am I doing that? Like, for instance, I when I worked um, in the shop, we would have Christmas parties, and the boss would bring this sort of catered. You know, it was a they would put the tables together, a hundred people or whatever it was. I don't remember, maybe fifty mm-hmm. mechanics, and we'd all sort of sit. And it was so uncomfortable. I hated it because everyone was so quiet, and and it was just. And it wasn't like I was a super chatty guy either. So like I was just sitting there, part of it. Everyone's staring at each other, and I was just like, uh, I just like I I literally was thinking I'd rather be Working. you know building these wire harnesses again, like because I was building wire harnesses at the time. Yeah, I was thinking like I would love to just sit there and put on my music and wire my harnesses right now. <laughs> this is a nightmare, <laughs> and that's how. You, I don't know if you observe that you'll notice a lot of blue collar guys. That's how they are too. Yes. They'd much rather just like just let me put on my headphones and work. Like I don't want to talk to people. Yes, because it's it's just and I how what things that is. are is for it, men. Do sometimes. you feel like it's a masculinity thing? Do you feel like it's I'm afraid I'm going to say something that's no. going to be shunned? No, I I think it's a skill that you just don't learn. Okay, you've always been very good at con- striking up conversation. Well, even the men in my life are very good at this. Like think of my brothers. Yes. They are very... It, the the Greek men are very good at conversation. Okay. And you know, you're German. And I my background is German, and from what I understand about German people, which I know shit about Germans, right. but everyone in my hometown, which was like all German people, I mean, I think the fucking Nazis relocated to my town <laughs> growing up or something. I didn't realize it growing up, because it wasn't like... Because again... Like, the Germans didn't celebrate nothing, so we didn't have Lederhosen Day or nothing. I mean, literally nothing. I had no idea until I, years that later. That was the Amish. Yeah, it was the, the Amish. Yeah, it was like it was like some Amish, all Germans, <laughs> all Volkswagens. And every, I, I looked back on all the, because I started looking into my ancestry and was like, oh, shit, I'm like heavy, heavy German, man. Yeah. And 
all the names of all the people I grew up with. I was like, every single one of them is German. In fact, my best friend, <laughs> my best friend, I remember he had photos of his grandparents dressed up in lederhosen for something. And uh-huh. I was like, that's silly. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the German people are very quiet. The Amish people are very quiet. Yeah. And I, and I don't know why that is. It's certainly not fun. <laughs> well, I don't think the Amish are known for being super fun. <laughs> <laughs> they can make a hell of a whoopie pie, though. Let me tell Man, you something. Those, those assholes can bake, though. I'm telling you, if I lived in PA still, I'd be on my 600-pound life <laughs> eating 20 whoopie pies. <laughs> yeah. And that doctor would say, maybe you need to quit eating. And I'd tell <laughs> like, him to go fuck himself. <laughs> Have you uh. ever met a more miserable group of people than like morbidly obese? <laughs> They're so rude. <laughs> They're the rudest fucking people. I love that my six hundred pound life, but I'm like those people are horrible humans. I know. They're all, I was looking at you know we got the big Costco sized peanut butter, and I was doing the math on it. Maybe I, I, I'm trying to think how many. If I I thought what if I just ate this whole thing in one day? <laughs> you would. How think many that. calories? You love fucking peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> how many calories? <laughs> and I want to say it was was it seven thousand or seventy thousand. And then I thought, what are those people in my 600-pound lives? How many calories a day do they eat? Because <laughs> they eat a shitload of calories yeah. to, to sustain that weight. Yeah. I think I would be sicker than a fucking dog if I ate that whole thing of peanut butter. Could you imagine how sick you'd be? You'd probably never want to eat are. it again. Do you think maybe you'd want to only lay in bed? <laughs> you probably. <laughs> All right, bring in the wrecking ball. I need to get out of this house. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. No, I, I think that they don't feel good. Yeah. But again, that's but, a manifestation. Their size is a manifestation of pain, right? Yeah, totally. But yeah. it's like, dude, you really need to work on your emotions. As you above, are so an asshole. I watch those things and they talk like shit to people. Yeah, they hate themselves and that, they that hate, hate themselves comes and out. They hate everybody around them. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, okay. Anywho. And then the other thing on there was with the ground rules was respect boundaries. I think that's hard. <laughs> um, I feel like sometimes you, I think respecting boundaries is always been a challenge for me <sighs> because sometimes I feel like, well, I, your, my existence doesn't stop at your boundaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to define that one. Yeah. Yep. I even, when we went into, um, we did a, a Betty Ford type family uh, treatment long it was like an all-day treatment for family members of addicts and boundaries were very hard for me to even um like put into my brain because they on one hand they would talk about you have to quit punishing these people because you're filled with resentment for them not being able to show up in life mm-hmm. and so they would be like don't continuously punish your addict it's not helping the situation and then in the next breath they would talk about boundaries and it was such it was i don't i was like i don't even understand what the fuck you guys are talking about because boundaries and punishment seem to be the same thing do they talk about that in this book boundaries probably not but Um. i think that I don't. I don't really remember. Yeah, it's hard because with boundaries. with an addict, you think, well, well, God, they've been violating my boundaries their whole fucking life, acting like an asshole. Yeah. So what the fuck? What about me? Oh yeah, I'll definitely watch out for your boundaries. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. But the but the um, 
the truth of the matter is, is like having compassion for each other and, and learning skills. I, I felt like one of your boundaries was that you get over, you get overwhelmed in these kind of like circles. <laughs> here goes my autism, everybody. Get ready. <laughs> you get a little overwhelmed. <laughs> yes. And you start withdrawing. Yes. And so it's like there's two. We can have conversation to a certain point, And then after that certain point, it becomes destructive. <laughs> yes. And so I have to allow you to withdraw, recharge, and then come back. But when it, so one of your boundaries was I need to be able to pull out of this. Like you need to pull a lifeline, right? Yes. But one of my boundaries was I will give you that, even though that's like hard for me to do. I will do that. But I'm going to need you to put a time and a date on when we're going to revisit this. Because sometimes it felt like out of sight, out of mind with you. You were so avoidant that you would never bring up the problems because you would be worried that I don't want to bring up this problem because then it's going to start a fight. And if we start have fights and that means that this is bad and this is it's not going to be a good thing. Whereas I was like, listen, I don't want to fight with you, but I need to we need to negotiate this. Mm -hmm. That's what. Um, OK, so. So my boundary was. I will shut the fuck up and let you leave and lick wounds but i need you to come back to it is now your responsibility if you need that then that means that you need to say give me two hours and let me cool down mm -hmm. and then you watch the clock set a timer or something like that and then come back and be like okay i'm ready to talk to you right that's that's and and that's one of the things since we took this course was the understanding because we would have fights late at night. Yeah. And and I don't know what that That's is. That's when I hit my fucking max. Man, I what is be, that? I don't know. I'm I'm exhausted <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta get up for work early and I gotta go to bed. And you're cortisol. you're revving up. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh my god, do we have to do this? I need to go to sleep. And and what's for me, the avoidant in me, like I sleep like a baby. I'm like, yes. Oh, I lay it on, put me in the emotional state, <laughs> and I will fall asleep like a baby. <laughs> But you are up all night stewing. Yeah. So you're in a whole next day. You're extra I'm like upset. Pissed. Yes. And I used to do that to you all the time. And that's where the boundaries thing is, is that I respect that you want to resolve this so that you can Go get sleep. some sleep. Yeah. I want to resolve it so I can get some sleep too. But I have to understand that even though I want to just make the excuse of Look, I'm exhausted mentally. I can't even have this conversation with you right now because I'm so freaking tired. Yeah. I have to suck it up and be like, okay, I could have that argument. I could have that excuse. And you would respect it, I think, mm -hmm. if I told you that. If I was like, look, today's been impossible. I can't do this with you. Yeah. But I try to find that middle ground of respecting your boundary. And, and sometimes that, that's the way it looks is you got to meet in the middle a little bit. Yeah. So I, I do... So, so I do try to, and, this, and that's the result of communication. Yeah. Because I understand that about you and I have to weigh out like, okay, how can I make this work? Because like, I don't, because it's going to make it worse. If I, if I'm like, look, I'm too tired. I have to go to sleep. I know the next morning it's going to be worse. Yeah. Because like you've been up all night pissed off and like. I remember laying in bed and you, we were right in the middle of like 
I don't even remember what the fight was about, but we were in the middle of a fight and you were like, I have to go to, I'm exhausted. I can't keep my eyes open. You fucking fell asleep so fast. And I was laying there. I was like, this motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> it ate me so hard. I was kicking your leg because your foot touched me. I was like, get the fuck. Don't touch me. I was so mad. <laughs> I'm the king of dissociation. Man, you really are. It's wired in there pretty good. It's shocking. <laughs> is it yes because like i'm not i'm not i'm a worrier so yeah. you're like ugh, you push down and move on and i'm like over there with my cauldron stirring it all up sprinkling you know? in a little <laughs> more anxiety thoughts. i'm like oh yeah and what about this you know and i'll throw that in my little cauldron and stir that up I, I would get so pissed and then finally one time i was mad at my brother and i was like this motherfucker I was really upset. Like he left me to deal. They, oh, enjoy your fucking family. I'll take care of the whole, the rest, all of this shit, you know. Yeah. And I would, I was so pissed, and I had to get out of bed and write him a letter of all of my grievances. Mm. I was like, hope you enjoy your life yeah. while I sit here and dig out of this nonsense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was really upset with them, but then I wrote it all down. Like I vented into this. It's so interesting what writing actually does. Like when you're in therapy, it's say, say like, oh, you should journal. And you're like, okay, I'll journal. Like what a fucking waste. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, there is something that happens. It's magical that your brain says, okay, I won't forget it. Like once you put that to paper, like literally writing it out, I was like, I felt like, <sighs> okay, I can go to sleep. I won't forget to mention all of the things that I'm mad about. Yeah. So it was like, I started doing that when I'd get real pissed, hmm. like write out a little letter. And then when I'd wake up after the, like all, the dust had settled a little bit and I was a little bit more reasonable, I could, I'd reread my list, my, my letter to my brother. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. I was being a little dramatic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. I think I was just in my feelings. I was tired and worried and, there is nothing like fear that will really cause some chaos in you emotionally. I That's another part of this. Because in the communication book, at some point, we talk about putting uh, words, putting describing emotions. Because <laughs> I remember our, our therapist, they have a list of words, a whole page of different emotions. And I, what did he say? He he wanted me to identify which ones I was feeling or whatever. And I was like, uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I can identify two of them. I'm mad. I'm happy. That's yeah, it. it was, it's crazy. I still struggle with that. But anyway. Anyways. You know what, though? To be honest, when we started this, I struggled with that. That it's hard to have. When you're in, the, in that emotional state, it is so hard to recognize the feelings that are that are in there swirling around it all just feels bad why uh, well what i was going to say about that it's hard for me that, to be like oh that's resentment i'm feeling resentful what i was going to where i was going with that one of the other byproducts of this book and this understanding now when sometimes when you're upset if i'm in the uh, if i'm in the right mood that i can handle it mm -hmm. 
I can look at it with sympathy and say, oh my gosh, she's just scared right now. Yeah. Whereas in the past, before this book, I would just be like, she's a fucking maniac. What's this chick's problem? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it would just be this whole fight. But now it's like, okay, okay, she's scared. Okay, well, let's calm her down. What's going on? Let's figure yes. it out. You know? Fear really is one of the things that trigger me the most. Uh-huh. And um, I, I still don't have a good grasp on that when I get frightened that I will not show up. I think... A few weeks ago, I got, I almost ripped your head off. Like, I threw things. I was so fucking mad. And I don't remember. Do you remember that? I slammed no. the door no, and I, I threw something. No, once these are over, I dissociate and it's gone. <laughs> I can't hold you on. You don't remember it. we were in the kitchen. And yeah, I, I remember was, we had a pretty nasty and fight. And something was happening and you were like, you weren't listening to me. And we were, and it was something that I was really frightened about. And I was like, you're not listening to my words. And I think I threw something. And I think I slammed it and have no idea. <laughs> if you remember what it was, I could probably jog my memory. No, and you were like, whoa. I, it frightened you because I don't really re- I don't really act that way. Uh-uh. What were you fighting about? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Let but me look on my list of things to talk to my therapist about <laughs> and see if it's on there. Because it very well could be. You don't remember that? You were. It really shocked you because I was and we and I was like, you're not listening to me. I, it was something stupid, I'm sure, mm, but okay. it triggered a fear response, and I, it, it, I was like, I'd had enough, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't do that, anywho. And I think that that's what is going to happen. Not to like make everything about politics, but I think that that is what is going to happen in the next coming year. Is that all of our they fucking feed off of our fears, and they will. Start scratching that itch for everybody oh, and it. really start fucking because they know it's going to get the biggest reaction. These shape shifting lizard people, they feed off the fear as a form of sustenance. They're they're the archon that. lizard people because that's exactly what's going to happen. The news is going to be sure to fill our heads with all these scary things. They're going to. Yes. Oh, my God. Joe Biden's going to be the president. Oh, my God. Donald Trump's going to be the president. Yes. This is the worst thing. You know, if so, you don't want that to happen, you better get out and vote. And yeah. there is just going to be it, turmoil. So I think it's a really important right now that we don't lose our fucking minds as a group. <laughs> and I'm not just saying this to people. I'm saying this to myself. Keep it to fucking gather. Don't lose your mind. Don't let the fear overtake who you are. We're going to do this together. <laughs> we need we need a full 11 months to prepare for the election. Folks. Yes. <laughs> We're trying to single-handedly prevent another insurrection riot. Yes. Or whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. Fuck off. Okay. So, um, right. now, so go back to introduction. Collaboration is one of the highest ways of relating. And I think that that is absolutely the truth. That there is nothing that will get us into... A better decision than having each person show up in their truth. Have you ever seen those motivational work posters? No. There's one of... You could have... The the picture I've seen is you've got horses pulling in opposing directions and there's no progress versus two horses pulling in the same direction and that's when, of course, you get to move. And that's the idea of the collaborations. You need two strong individuals pulling in the same direction i this is my i think one of my biggest critiques with marriage is that people really sell this idea of that you are not two individuals now you're one 
and I, I love the, the sentiment of that. Like I try to love you. Like I love myself, like try and really give that to you. But I think that that doesn't actually fit the situation. I think that pretending that we're one unit that wants one thing and is really dismissive of probably one person in that marriage. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, um, it will, and it talks about how you need to draw upon each other's talents and experiences and, and collaborate to, to pull in the same direction. And it's, it's like, uh, if you wanted something for me, I could say, I could fight that and be like, well, no, that's not who I am. I'm not doing that. That would be the horses pulling opposite directions. Or so I could say, or the perfect answer would be like, oh, that's great. I'm going to do that. Then you're pulling in the same direction. Or you don't even have to be perfect because this stuff takes time. You, I could say, well, that's not really who I am, but I don't know. Let me try. And then at least I'm sort of being neutral and you can drag me along. At least we can go in the, the right direction slowly well i think that i think that uh, what most people do in marriage is like you have somebody that accommodates where they say like they just give in where they just roll over and be like okay well what what the fuck do you want like i don't have the energy just what do you want okay great let's do that Mm -hmm. or you've got the dominant person who is like forcing the other person to see their way and pushing them into um, their belief system or way of. <laughs> I feel like we we kind of do elements of both of those with each other at yeah, times, yeah. depending on what the thing is, you know. Well, well, and I think that that's what marriage is. Is like if it's if I don't have a dog in the fight and you really want something, then I will be accommodating. I will be like, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, of course, I want you to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And then there are times that I am very dominant and i'm like this is important to me and i need you to see me at this moment and hear what i'm saying to you where i am now persuading you to see who my point of view Mm -hmm. and it's like as long as you recognize those two like uh, those two behaviors you don't fully lean into one because it's like it's not fun for the either way it's not fun for the other person Mm -hmm. right Right. It's like you don't always want to be accommodating and you don't always want to be the dominant one. Like I think yeah. that there's no fun in that. Like I'm a very do- I you would I think people's perspective of me would be like, "Oh, she probably likes a person who um doesn't challenge her. That just gives her what she wants." Like I I've heard that a lot in my life and it's like, "Who wants to fucking be with that?" I would never want to be with somebody that's not a challenge to me. That's right. boring as fuck. Right. My one girlfriend was like, God, I would love it. And I was like, no, you wouldn't. It's not fun. There's nothing. Mm. Nobody likes boring. Right. And that's what that would be. So it's like you can't just be like, okay, well, here's the credit card, babe. Do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, it's that, that motto, happy wife, happy life. But the, I think guys hear that and they think, oh, just give her whatever she wants. Like, well, that's not making her happy. Yeah. You have to challenge her sometimes. Yeah. Um or you know, like one of the one of the male books I've read, I don't even know if I don't know if it's a dating book or uh how to be a real man book. I don't remember. <laughs> I've read a lot of all these stupid things. <laughs> um this combined with uh 
Jimmy the Jackhammer told me this a long time ago. Now, now that I'm talking about this, it's coming back to me. In the male books I read, it was saying, you know, and this goes into a cult thinking of male and female of they call it the pole and receiver. There's this weird sort of archetype of male and female, and I don't want to oversimplify it or give people the wrong impression of this, but mm-hmm. there's this idea that we both kind of like certain roles in a partnership, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And women, I mean, I, of course I'm speaking in very generalities here, so don't take this the wrong way. Uh, but me? Women. Okay. Like You want a guy who knows what he wants for dinner. Unless you want, unless there's something you want for dinner, if you're if you're like, hey, and this is the exact situation I've read in these books, is be a leading man, be the man who says, if if you're both figuring out what you want for dinner, the wife's like, I don't really care. What do you want? The book told me, be a leading man that chooses. And it's like, well, I don't know, but you want to be a collaborative man at the same time. Is what it was saying is is. And and this is and I don't remember if this is a blend of what Jimmy told me or, or the book or both maybe, and that's where I come up with this thing of like the three eating options, because we'll have this exact thing. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Mm-hmm. And I'll okay. Here's three restaurants I like. Boom. Which one do you like? And then you can kind of be a part of the process too. Yeah, yeah. And half the time I'll present the three, and then you'll be like, I don't want any of those. I want this other one. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, sounds good, because yeah. I don't care either. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's to bring it to the happy wife, happy life. It's not, you wouldn't be happy if I just like, Oh, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Cause you don't want to, cause it's hard to make the decisions all the time. Well, I think this is interesting because the traditional, I'm putting that in air quotes, the traditional people out there, like just tell them where they're going to fucking eat. Yeah. yeah you know? And yeah. it's like, and then there's the moron women out there that are like, I love a man that really needs well, to do that. Well, I think there's elements like, of... No, tr- you don't, you liar. <laughs> You're trying to be... That's like a... like. Have you heard of the pick me? No. Oh, there's like a saying out there now like with the kids where they say it's, a, it's pick me energy, meaning like they just say the things that the others, that the other gender wants to hear. So oh, that, that Pearl they, Davis chick is this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. It's a it's a weird amount of. It's their own misogyny <sighs> that is it. built into these women, and I'm like, what the fuck are you even? If you believe this shit, Pearl, get out from behind the fucking mic, bitch, and go into the kitchen. Yeah, because what are you doing? Because yeah, nobody gives a shit what your opinion is but if you think that there is like for the traditional sort of roles. I I I don't think I I think the execution of a lot of those isn't good because it becomes demeaning and oppressive. But there's elements there that are good too. Yes. Like women want a masculine man, but a masculine man that's respectful. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a weird balancing because some guys can't hear it and they just go full, full on Sean Strickland, UFC women belong in the kitchen and yes, like this insane amount of aggro. Yeah. And then other guys, like, I noticed, the, and not to pick on the younger generation, but, like, some of the younger generation, I'm like, you don't even recognize the, the manliness in them anymore. You're like, what are you doing, dude? Right. And, and and I don't know, maybe younger women like that, but I... 
it's it's a weird area that we live in in our generation, being in our forties. Because I saw what it was, you know, my dad was a very was the aggro. He was a very aggro sort of alpha male who called a hundred percent of the shots. Traditional. Yeah. Yeah. And and I saw that and was like, I don't love this. I wouldn't want to do this. Yeah. And then I look at the younger, the real, the much younger generation, and I just think like, oh boy. Yeah. We. we and so, like all these traditional guys who are out there banging their chest about how, you know, these young people are these aren't real men anymore, like Sean Strickland. Like they do it to a gross level, and I'm like, well, it's that's cartoony, not right either. Yes, and it's like it's something who? in the middle. It's the nuance. It's the same with sex. There mm-hmm. is a nuance within there that makes it hot. Yeah, you have to find that, yeah. and that's what makes it challenging to actually talk about because it's. It's almost hard to even put words to. It's like, well, how do you become a leader, but you're not oppressive? How do you show them? But it, you know what it is? It's like when you come in and you're sturdy, it feels like sturdiness. It actually feels safe. It feels safer. Yes, that, that's what I had read in the book is it's not like women want to be told what to do. It's that you want to feel um, safe. safe. Yeah. Yes. It, there's this primal... You know, people always talk about these sort of instincts that we have. And it's like, well, men want a young, fertile woman. That's why we're attracted to young women. And women want stability and strength. That's why they like older men sometimes who have money. Yeah. And I I don't know if that's entirely wrong. I think there's elements of truth in those things. You know what I mean? I think women. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no. No, please. I want to hear that. You think women what? I, I think women are drawn. Like the reason why you see young women with these gross old dudes it's not like they're physically attracted to them, but they're attracted to these people, I think, because they're like, they gives them a sense of security because they're very wealthy or whatever. I don't know. People say that's gold digger, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, kind of, but not... I, I think that maybe some of those women value the the, the independence and the strength and the, and the security of a wealthy guy. I just watched a TikTok that said romance was invented by poor men for poor men uh for reproduction (laughs) what yes okay so women would be attracted to money and and wealth right like people men that have things because then that meant that they would take care of you Mm -hmm. and romance got invented for poor men who didn't have those things to be able to compete with the wealthy men. Okay. Okay, so it's like if you're a poor a poor man and you want to fuck <laughs> theoretically. If you're theoretically poor. <laughs> <laughs> you're a poor guy and you want to like fuck people, women, you huh. what do you have to offer them? Oh, interesting. Your what you have to offer them is love. And romance and this longing and like, so you had, they had to come up with a way to have value Mm. to compete with men who had things. Oh, interesting. So men like who, when you guys all sit here and like, oh God, romantic comedies or romance, you guys fucking invented this shit so that you could compete. So that there was something for women to be attracted to. If you're, if it's like, if you're sitting in the fucking dirt and you don't have shit, it's like, what are you going to give to these women? You would have to cast a spell and that spell would have to be emotional. 
that that emotional spell would be stronger than their want for security. Okay, interesting. Fucking brilliant, dude. That is. I know. When I saw that, I was like, man. And I think it, different smart. guys offer different things. Like you'll see the warrior sort of uh, archetype, the male warrior archetype, again playing on the idea of protection and safety. Some women are drawn to that. Mm-hmm. You know, these UFC fighters, to, you know, I, I was just watching these Sean Strickland interviews. That's yeah. why he's in the top of my head. But it's like some women are attracted to this guy. And he's a total fucking dick and a scumbag. Yeah. And thinks women belong in the kitchen and gays are weak men and all these crazy things. Mm-hmm. But some women are drawn to this kind of guy because they're like, well, this guy is like very aggressive. He could protect me. I, I guess it triggers maybe a physical insecurity or something that I, I don't know. I'm not a woman. I don't understand it. But women are drawn to security is the bottom line. And I think if I think you can't provide sexuality- that through uh, physical dominance or wealth. Then you pivot to, okay, I'm going to be the poet, the misunderstood poet, and I'm going to tantalize with uh, romance. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Is that fucking brilliant, though? That is brilliant. I know. So it's like, it's this is a... Is it the Troubadours? Is that where it started? I don't know. Um, I think it's... You know that idea out there now where people say, if you can't... If you can't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah. I think that is such a fucked up (laughs) way of thinking that you should be in a marriage or be in a relationship with somebody else. Mm. And I think like for me, to you, I want to be like, you deserve my best. I love you. And I see what a a great human being you are. And so I want to show up at my best. And I appreciate you being kind to me when I'm at my worst. Mm. And I actually thank you for being sticking it out when I when I'm not in a, when I don't have the ability to be my best. Because mm-hmm. that can't, is a better fucking no. We, everybody is human beings. Oh. Everything has ebbs and flows. Like you are not going to be able to be perfect constantly. Like you're going to have, especially like women. I, I am. I am a fucking slave to my hormones. Mm-hmm. They sometimes get a hold of me and I struggle. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's like I won't be rational uh, certain parts of the month. Yeah. That's why uh, my that marriage, ca- same marriage counselor told me to <laughs> start a period tracker app. And it helps. It really does. It helps put it in perspective. And then if you're, you know, very uh, short. <laughs> one particular week I can look at my app and be like okay well that makes sense and then I have sympathy for that I'm like okay like it's okay it's just you know I don't t- I don't I don't t- own it personally yeah which which is the bottom line for my issues is I take everything personal yes and you're like no I'm just upset I'm, you know I'm just ragey right now yeah even this last week I've kind of been a bitch and I was like oh, thank you for being nice to me while I've been a bitch yeah and I appreciate it. that actually makes it that reinforces that behavior for me to be like oh this is good she sees that and she appreciates it I'm gonna continue to try to show up better when she's upset because I used to when you would get mad or angry or something I'd take it really personal and I'd get heated yeah and it just made things worse yes and then we'd have to have this whole thing yeah when you stay calm through my rage it is like it it passes faster and then I can look at it and I'm like, Ooh, I am talking like shit. What is wrong with me? Mm. And then I come back and I'll be like, Hey, I'm being a total fucking bitch. I, I don't mean to. I love you. And that's that. That's that play on women like stability and safety. 
Yeah. And they want to know that you're not the kind of guy who's going to run around screaming and get carried away with stuff all the time. But I think this is why it's so important that when you are dating, you cannot look through rose-colored glasses of hum- the human being. Sick. You can't just be like, oh, he's a fucking maniac, but I'm going to love it out of him. You know, it's like, remember that whatever car you pick to to go on the road trip with, is the, you're either going to have a bumpy fucking ride or a smooth ride. That is it. You have those choices. So you have somebody that's going to collaborate with you and have a good smooth ride or you every fucking pothole in that road is going to be disorienting. It's going to fuck you up. It's a good car is a good analogy. You got to be able there's no 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 road is perfectly smooth. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to figure out like, okay, well, is this person have the skill set to manage themselves financially and emotionally so that when things get hard that we are going to be able to ride over that bump as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. And that goes for men and women. It's like, look at who you're putting your dick into. Don't just be willy nilly with that stuff. You have to things. Ha- it's like it's sex is very fun, but you cannot just be. Le- co- totally leaning into that mm-hmm. yes it can't be the only thing that is good in your marriage yes okay okay moving along i can already see we're getting behind schedule here oh sorry okay so drawing under one another's talents and experiences i think that this is one of the most exp- that is one of the things that sticks out to me is that um when you said the horse is pulling in the same direction i don't look at us as one as a marriage and being one entity, I look at us as a team Mm -hmm. and, and that I, I don't want to be, I want you to help me weather the storms and pull in that direction. It's like, you don't want to have the mule that's stubborn that you're dragging to the water hole. You guys, you got to have goals, talk about goals and then have routes to achieve these goals and looking at each other as individuals and not as a single unit is the most important thing. And I think that that was the book, Esther Perel. She did a, what was that called? Mating in Captivity. Her book was basically really leaning into, you don't know this fucking person. You think you know them, but pretending that you know every little insy outsy of this human being is a uh, disservice to you, a disservice to them. Mm. And it is absolutely wrong. Mm. So it's important to see each other's uh, strengths and also being like, okay, this is another human being mm-hmm. who's constantly changing. We all change yes. constantly. So even if you do know everything about the person right now, well, five years from now, that's a different human being now. Yeah, I, I exactly. The things that I would have thought would have made me happy as a 25 uh, year old are not in the same fucking realm. Mm-hmm. I like not even close to the things that I want now as, as 43, Yeah, you know? Now, I like how it says that the colla- the collaborative marriage doesn't come naturally. It requires knowledge, skills, attention, seasoned with love, and you need to use practical tools. Same. Because that, from the, from the male, logical, mechanical perspective, that resonates for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get that. It's saying that I've got to learn. It's like learning a new language. Well, and, and for me, like being an emotional person, it takes the shame out of it. 
because it's like sometimes people feel ashamed that they don't have these skills and they're like god i guess my merit like it means something about their relationship we're not good at these things so maybe we shouldn't be together and it's like no 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 none of us are good at these things Mm -hmm. we're all learning together and so taking the shame out of like the not knowing how to do this is so important so that you don't go into you know retreat okay so let's see here so in the introduction it talks about the seven dimensions and these are just relationship dynamics about a uh you know how to the it's sort of the blueprint for a collaborative marriage and it's it's nothing mind-blowing it's you know stuff you kind of expect it's uh committing to a partnership caring I think that the committing to the partnership is super interesting because it says... Okay, yeah, let's unpack unpack them as we go. Committing to partnership. The word commitment scares many people, especially guys. Numerous jokes and phrases about getting married resolve around the notion of being trapped, stuck, or captured. And I think um, this book is written a while ago, and I think that that has actually flipped, especially in like the feminine energy or the feminine world where there's a lot more conversations being had about how marriage is really beneficial to men and less beneficial to women mm-hmm. and how um, men use incompetence to take away from their responsibility to the marriage. And so I think that right now that there is a large conversation that's happening within female circles that talk about how you're kind of trapped yeah I, I don't know that i agree with this oh what do you mean well, i don't know it, I, I think i think women men. are the more the ones that are, that are trapped even back then i mean i, I don't know well I, I think it's interesting that they think men have those ideas that uh, men yeah, are avert to, to um uh have an aversion to being trapped in a marriage yeah a lot of those traditional you know it's like that's not the way it is now for a long time it's you know the women did all the you know especially our parents generation those poor our moms yeah they got they got stuck with having to work the day job and doing all the supposed motherly deeds of cleaning and cooking and all that stuff yeah like how they get roped into all that yeah, and then the men get like to go mow the lawn. Here? Like, fuck you. Oh, that's a job you do once a week. Yeah. I'm doing it every day. Yeah, I, I don't buy that. And I don't identify with that one at all because I, I don't know. I've always... But I think I, that that's I've true. I think people have this idea thing. of like of a loss of... So then they go, the underlying theme is loss, giving up freedom, ironically. Commitment brings the opposite. It's gaining freedom. And I think that that was one of the things that when I was sitting there trying to decide what I wanted our marriage to look like. It was for me, I, w- I was like, okay, so what's great about being single The is filling yourself, like being able to be yourself. And if you wanted something, you could get that thing you wanted. And that is freedom is the best thing of not having to like always go back to somebody else and be like, well, I want to do this thing. Could you do this thing with me? Mm-hmm. But it's fucking lonely. It is lonely. And the best part about being married married is you have somebody to build your life with. You have more money. You're going to have somebody to share in goals being achieved. 
Like that really is super fun. The worst part about it is the loss of autonomy. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to really have space for Isaac to be Isaac and Josie to be Josie within our marriage. Like that was really, really important to me. Yeah. And so I think that that, you know, that loss, if if you have somebody that's like kind of nervous about it, it's like, it's not wrong, but I think it's because the traditional way of being married or having relationship is surrounded in loss because you're not allowed to have any truths of who you are. But if you can have extreme honesty, like we went out to dinner and uh, one of our friends was saying like, sometimes the way you two talk with each other, they listen to the program and they're like, sometimes the way you talk to each other is like, like, I don't know. She said frightening, but it was shocking. And I think that that is because I really shocking. I don't know. That's not, that's not the word that she chose oh. but she said a word and i don't remember what it was but it was like it, it was she my understanding was it uh it was i don't want to say off-putting but it was shocking right really on, yeah. the, on the show yeah because me and you will talk freely about like what turns us and i at first i thought it was that because we i swear Everything I put through this lens of like, oh, they think I'm a piece of shit because I swear. That's that. That's that Utah man. So many people in Utah have this weird. It's this religious thing, man, of the swearing. I don't. It's so bizarre. Like coming from out of state to here, I'm like, you guys are fucking weird with this shit. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. I, I mean, I, I don't think you're weird for for thinking it. I just I, no, it's because it's beating to be. And I'm a woman, and it's really it is. Yeah off-putting to hear women talking like truckers but i don't care i like it so it's funny i don't know i don't know i don't, well. whatever anyways so i i thought that that's what they were talking about but it wasn't i think the more that i kind of and and i didn't clarify this with her this isn't just my thought process i was like i bet you it's because i talk so freely about sexual attraction mm. and um all of that but it's I do it on purpose because I want to feel free within our marriage. I want to build a life together where it's one wholly separate person, Isaac, with another totally separate person, Josie, who is building this thing together. That's why like when you want to go to strip clubs and spend $700 or whatever the fuck you did, that one. Oh, good. The number got lower. (laughs) Your memories are getting fuzzy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, seven hundred bucks. I think it was six hundred. <laughs> Whatever it was, it's like I don't have to like own any of that. I'm like, oh, I'm glad that you had uh, a nice time. Why would I wouldn't want you to do example. it again? This is a perfect example because this is a sticking point. This is where all these areas sort of collide of communication and boundaries because. This is something we've worked on. Yes. And the fact is, and this is what, uh, what's her name? Mating in Captivity? Esther Perel. Esther Perel talks about in the book. The facts of the matter, no matter how much you want to put your head in the sand or don't think about it or don't want to think about it, the facts of the matter is you are two different individuals and you're both going to have sexual attractions to other people. Yeah. Like, period. End of fucking story. Don't, for one second buy into the idea that like I only have eyes for you. Yeah. Like that's totally not true. And we both communicate this with each other. We understand it and we're okay with it. Yeah. Now 
that's not to say there's not areas where I get triggered. I yeah. do. And sometimes it's hard to predict. Um, you know, if there, there's, it's like, I understand that you, I don't know, you might talk to your friends at the salon and be like, some guy who comes in and be like, oh my God, he's fucking hot or whatever, right? Right. I'm totally fine with that. Don't care. Do I necessarily want to hear that and know, like, if, I, if I'm if i there when you do it and I hear it, you got a 50-50 chance of how I take that. Uh-huh. It might <laughs> fuck me up and because for whatever reason, my emotions, my hormones, uh, personal insecurities, like maybe he's this tall guy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know. But it's so interesting for me because I want to share it with you. And sometimes I can't hear it. I know. And it hits wrong. Sometimes sometimes it hits okay. I want you to see me for me. (laughs) I want you to love me for me, (laughs) you know? So it's like, oh my gosh, let's talk about these people that we find hot. (laughs) And I'm like, no, bitch, we ain't doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear it. (laughs) It depends on so many. So like that is this weird gray boundary of, of, or yeah, this gray zone of boundaries for us. Yeah. Because we both understand that about each other. And I would argue the same thing for you. I would think that sometimes you wouldn't want to hear what I have to say if I'm well, like, listen. oh, that woman's hot. You're going to be in your head. You'd be like, oh, she's, you know, skinnier than me or I don't whatever, yeah. you know. It's well, going to trigger. It depends on your mood. I, I think that that's a lot what happens with the pornography is why it's so off-putting to women. Yes. And I think that that's why going to a strip club would also be off-putting to women. And to find out your spouse has spent a very large amount of money at a strip club, I, I promise you that my head goes to, I hope he didn't pay one of these women to fuck them. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that, my head goes there. Okay. Yeah. My, I, I don't come from a stable household where cheating w- didn't happen. No, that was a huge part of my upbringing. Yeah. Of my father not getting... The stepping out on the family on yeah. the on my mother and, and i can see that yeah right so like when i hear oh we went to the strip club we stayed there all night and then i spent nine hundred dollars or what did what did you spend i don't remember it doesn't fucking matter 600 i thought <laughs> my emotional my immediate like trigger reaction to that is did he fuck one of these chicks you know yeah because yeah, that's yeah. what it triggers in me sure i i get that but it's like, okay, do I lean into that and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you spend that much money and why would you do that to us? Or do I do do I start licking wounds inside of myself and be like, okay, I'm going to be quiet here for a second and I'm going to remember who the person is that I married mm-hmm. and I'm going to... F- find a place to be happy for him that he had a really fun experiences with his friends Mm -hmm. and he felt the freedom to spend money like that. It must have felt really fun Mm -hmm. in that moment to feel free. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to lean into that. That's good. I like that. Yes. And to be fair, (laughs) in my defense, you could look at the credit card statement and see multiple purchases and not just one you know thousand dollar purchase or whatever sure so sure whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna look at that because (laughs) i I trust you as a human being like you have a you are a very monogamous person yes you're a very lovely soul and i'm going typical behavior for me that is not typical behavior Uh 
And I'm going to say, okay, he needed that thing. And yeah. I'm happy that he It was like had a pack that. of wolves. It was like me and like 20 dudes <laughs> roll up in the strip club. Like we own the joint. You never you have that. You have never, never have had it. that. And I'll probably never have it again. And I don't want that again because that was way too much money. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you got drunk and you got a little flagrant. And I think that that is a really, every once in a while you need that. But the truth is, is that if you did that a lot... That would be a huge fucking problem. Right, and, and that was a boundary we had to explore when I came back, you know, because we're very honest with each other, and I was like, I spent a lot of money. I hope, you, you know, I hope you're sitting down. Yeah. And <laughs> we had a conversation about it, and, you know, it, you took it as well as I could ever ask for a yeah, wife to take that. Yeah, I wasn't super excited about <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> but, I, but I now understand the boundary, with you know, without you shaming me. Yeah. I now understand it's like, Okay, that wasn't cool. And like I agree with it because it was like that did get out of hand. Yeah. But again, there's no shame involved in that. Like I love that you had that experience. Like again, I in our the ceremony that we had in our uh at our church for our marriage, it was I will love you for I will love you like me. Mm. And I know that one of the big things about who you are was when you were a kid, when we were kids, you loved hanging out with men. Mm-hmm. It is one of your favorite fucking things. You enjoy the military really scratched that itch for you. And when, mm-hmm. before you were in the military, you really had a group of boys that you grew up with that you were very, very close to. Yeah. It is important to you. And so knowing that about you and knowing how monogamous you are, those are the things that make me feel comfortable with you, you around lot, other You put women. a lot of thought into this. Yeah, because bitch, guess what? That fucking triggered. <laughs> you think I'm you're gonna you're gonna spend that kind of money and I'm not gonna be and and <laughs> coming from a, a dysfunctional household of like you don't think that's gonna fucking hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It does. But I decided to okay i'm gonna really put my shit into i'm really gonna work this well good job yeah i know you're welcome (laughs) 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 the task is to let go of loss and embrace benefits building on the advantages of potential choices of the potentials of your choices and i think that that's fun very good like i just i don't know well, and this is where another one is. Uh, the second objective is caring actively for self, partner, and us. Yeah. And that was something you had to do. Yes. You had to say, even though this was not my favorite thing, like this was s- in some weird way good for him. Yes. Which is in some weird way good for us. Yes. I really now, want you to feel your independence in our marriage. Yeah. Because I feel like, what was that movie of Mice and Men when that, when that, that big Never guy you didn't okay well he loved the mouse he loved how soft the mouse was but he would hold the mouse in his hand because he liked the feel of how soft the mouse was but then he clutched that fucker until he he killed it because his his grasp was too tight yeah and i think that the, i always think of that when i think of love it's like if you hold on too tight man you are going to smother this it's that 38 special song yeah <laughs> hold on loosely <laughs> don't let go <laughs> uh. but it's hard and that means when you are doing that when you're learning that skill it is about licking your own wounds because the person that you are with is going to trigger you mm-hmm. and it's like you got to give a space to be like okay this is like um whatever this is where i need your assistance here in this part okay they talk about 
Every communication with your partner has two components, behavior and attitude. Oh, I love this. And, you know, it says, you know, behavior is, you know, what you think it is, your your verbals and your nonverbals. And attitude is more of an internal state. It's more of the mental view you hold, which comes from your beliefs, feelings, intentions. I'm sure your upbringing, your idea of the social construct. Yeah. And I don't understand because it then says behavior reflects attitude. And uh, oh, sorry, that's our warning, folks. We got a we got a boogie. Um, it says behavior reflects attitude. And yeah, because your verbals and nonverbals are going to be directly linked to what your thoughts are of that thing. What if you're just shitty at communicating body language? And that's the truth. Your, but the problem is, is that you cannot do well but you are not in this relationship alone like you have to master your verbals and nonverbals. because i could sit there and be listening to you and i'll roll my eyes if i don't agree with you and that fucking upsets you yeah so my behavior isn't good or isn't the um, behavior is a reflection of your what did i say it was attitude of my mental view my behavior is a direct, it's almost like, it's almost like when you have, em- people forget that like our, our behavior is, think of it like a play. Like we will put a play on for our spouse. If we're mad, I'm going to show you I'm mad. It, and I'm going to, I'm doing that showmanship <laughs> that I'm putting a play on of my emotions so that I will manipulate your behavior to not do the thing again to scare me. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to slam the door or I'm going to yell at you or I'm going to ignore you and not talk to you for a week. But that is all a play of my emotions. And and what people have to understand is, is that you are you, it is a tool that you are using to try to manipulate the person that you are in relationship with. And that's where I get confused because it says here, it says your communication behavior in exchange with your partner reflects one of two basic attitudes you hold towards yourself. I care about me or I don't care about me. I don't really understand how if I'm mad at you, I don't know, you did something that I'm mad about and I'm slamming stuff around. Well, my behavior my verbal and nonverbal actions of slamming stuff around is stemming from my underlying attitude which is a mental view i hold that i'm like oh i don't like that she did that because of whatever fill in the blank mm-hmm. how's that a reflection of i don't care about me when it's like there's nothing to do with that i I don't. I, that's where I get a little confused. I think sometimes kind of people have the assumption of if you are going to, um, if you are going to accommodate somebody else, then you have to let go of the things that are important to you or things that you care about and you to, to accommodate what other people want. And I don't think that that's the truth. I think that you can have your things that. Um, you don't have to accommodate. You can collaborate. So this is just more of the buy-in of you need to learn to buy into why this is important is so that you feel cared about and I feel cared about and I feel like I'm protecting myself and you feel like you're protecting yourself. Okay. All right. And that's what this thing is. This book takes you down the path of 
using exploratory language instead yes. of slamming stuff around to show how mad you are. Right. You engage the other person and try to understand what it, what they, why they did what they did or whatever. What they wanted, what they needed. Okay. And then still. And that shows you care about the other person and you care about us, which is what these arrows are talking about. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah, it says here in a collaborative relationship, the gold standard is to live with both your own and your partner's arrows up, meaning you care about us. You care about this new third thing in the room when you get married. Yes. Like you care about yourself. But you, you notice that partner, it's not a you... singular arrow. Yeah. You still have to be independent of each other. You still have to yes. look at each other as an independent source within that relationship. The relationship is the box outside and the arrows inside are the two people. You both have to be pointing the same direction. I have to care about you and protect you and you have to care about me and protect me. Right. And sometimes that protection is from myself. Sometimes I have to protect you from my behavior. And the same with you. Because I care about us more than I care about manipulating you with my behavior. Yes. Um, Okay. Then then the rest is kind of, you know, they're not as uh, detailed of topics. The third one is considering life's concerns and opportunities. And just as, you know, things come up in life. There's stresses, there's goods, there's bads. You're going to get all these opportunities to deal with all these things. But again, just to like go back to this really fast, the collaborative relationship is a gold standard. We can't, just as we talked about the few times that we have made mistakes, we took a fucking course. We paid money to learn this with a therapist who walked us through these ideas and we still made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we still are making mistakes seven years down the road. It's just... How quick are you recognizing the mistake and coming back to center? Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't fucking, if, if these things are really hard and complicated and we have to remember to give each other a little bit of like grace as we were trying to like fumble through life and learning these techniques. Yes. Very good. And, and, it, and this third one is just saying life's going to present all these things. So you got to keep sort of working towards. Well, and the I goals. always felt like me and you would get one little aspect under control, and we'd be like, "Damn, I'm fucking." We are like firing on all cylinders. We mm. are really negotiating well. We're talking really cleanly to each other and kindly, and then life would throw the new thing at us, and it would put us off kilter, and then we would f- <laughs> we would fuck up, mm-hmm. and then we would have to start back from the bottom and start and that's what's awesome about these tools in learning this is actually it helps you rebound faster Mm -hmm. you know remember it's the gold star it's not the fucking you're never going to math you won't master this because you will get hit sideways the fourth topic or the fourth uh what are these things called dimension is communicating with the skill to connect and it's just saying that there's skills to communicating that you're going to learn in this book that's what it's saying so it's like, oh, this is funny because they use manipulation. So it says um, your attitude and your behavior, an uncaring uh, uncaring way of that is abuse. So an unskilled way of showing uncaring behavior would be abuse and a skilled way of showing an uncaring attitude is manipulation. Which one's better? 
they're both uncaring. <laughs> it's that you don't care for the person the yeah. way that you care that you care for yourself. Yeah. You want your result. You want your thing more than you care about the other person feeling heard, and, seen, or and, whatever. And here's the thing with that is that could be you the you're if you're if you're recognizing this stuff and you're like, man, my partner does these things. And that means they don't care about me. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. And the reason I say that is because I I was uh, listening to this podcast about inner bonding. And it talks about how we have this, a lot of us walk around with this, this, um, we have this child version of ourselves that we're constantly trying to protect. Yeah. And I think that is probably more likely what's going on. Like, because uh, I'm sure some people listen to this and think, oh my God, my partner does this. They're a narcissist and they only care about themselves. They don't well, care about me. that's what you hear. That you only that's what it feels like. But what they're, what could be really happening is your partner does love you, but they don't know how to love you because yes. they're so busy tending to this inner child of theirs that's got so traumatized. Yeah. They got to work on that. And that's why when we went to marriage counseling, it started out with marriage counseling and the result was you guys need to see individual counselors. I yeah. was like, what the heck? I got to have two damn count therapists? <laughs> yeah. And you do because you got to heal the inner child so that you can learn how to care for the other person. Yes. It's not, that you, it's not like I didn't love you. I just didn't know how to love you because it was like I, I was so busy tending to this inner trauma. Yes. So I just don't want people to hear this episode and be like, you know what? Well, I'm getting a partner. divorce. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not. <laughs> We're nowhere partner, near this. It's your like, partner no. loves you. I yes. mean, it's possible. I don't, I don't freaking know. I don't. I think love is hard to show. Mm-hmm. I think it is hard to show. It's, it's, it's. And I don't think our culture does a very good job of showing how to be in relationship with each other. A lot of it is, um, oh, you, you love this person, so you should definitely act jealous so that they can see how much they mean to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, this, so that jealousy is a manipulation, you know? Like you're you're trying to make yourself feel safe within that relationship by making that other person feel afraid of having your reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, I don't know. Anyways, so then it says, okay, so let's say your at- attitude is caring, so you're a caring person. I care about being in this relationship, right? But you're not skilled. You haven't learned any tools how to like have good communication. And I think that that's where so many people are, right? Is that like you care about this, but I don't know. And what you're going to end up with, with an unskilled behavior is misunderstandings. You're going to have people um, not be seen. Your behavior is going to make people... It's not going to jive with what you're trying to accomplish. Mm, Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's frustrating because you don't realize you're doing this. You know, going through all this stuff is is difficult at times, Mm -hmm. painful even maybe. But once you get through it and you get a a win or two under your belt, you'll say, oh, my God, like this is making my life way better. Yeah. Like it was so nonsensical what I was doing before. I was just spinning, spinning wheels in the mud. Yeah. So you just, but you know, like I said, easier said than done, but you know, you, you do get a couple wins and you think, oh, okay. I even feel like that with therapy. When I was going into therapy, I was kind of like, you're fucking all welcome. I guess I'll go to therapy and learn these techniques to show up better in your fucking life while you do absolutely nothing to show up better in my life. And I had that attitude for a really long time of, um, 
I don't know if it's resentment, but whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. And the I just kept doing it. I just kept spinning it. I just kept going to therapy and talking about it and learning techniques and seeing truths and new lights and doing all and challenging the way my belief system and what it did wasn't free them. It freed me from my own emotional turmoil. It got me to calm down. They got the benefit, but I got the bigger benefit. My life is calmer. So it's like when you're doing all of this stuff and you're kind of like, you're fucking welcome. Mm. Remember that, that this comes back to you. This is a gift for you as well. Yeah. So then the carrying with skills, it would be collaboration. So it's just more buy-in. They want you to really buy into this idea of like, we you want to learn to talk to each other because it's the skilled way of moving forward in a caring way for each other. Uh, the fifth dimension is cooperating to resolve issues. I, I, I feel like they're just adding things for no reason. I mean, it's just saying the same thing we've been talking about. It's It's cooperating in the sense that you care about us, so you're going to take the steps to try to work through issues. You know? Yeah, but like so I think a lot of men have avoidant behavior. And so I think what this chapter or what the introduction is really trying to do is to prove to people that don't see value in this stuff to get their buy in. Oh, OK. I you see need that. them to like really buy into this and to really lean into these behavior changes because they are going to be hard. It is hard to hold a mirror up to your own self. And um, it, it's shame inducing. It'll make you feel shameful and embarrassed. And, and so you're getting ready to do some really challenging work. But if you understand that this is a benefit and this is why it's going to benefit, that's why they're going into all of these. Like, <laughs> hey, this is what's going to happen. Yes. Cause men, we don't handle shame too well. Do we? Nobody does. Being able to harness the power of collaborative conversations will allow you to be more productive and consistent. So just again, more buy-in. I like how it says like in ce- celebrating our life together. Um, I think that this is the part that people, when you start getting lonely in your marriage, these are the things that people want, but they don't know how to like voice. Mm -hmm. It's like you want intimacy with this person, but what does that intimacy look like and what does it feel like, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's the same thing as like, well, you take her to dinner, but you didn't date her. Yes. You know what I mean? So this is what it is. Now you're going into like the nuts and the bolts of it. So it's, it's... Having fun, small, private, humorous exchanges, affectionate, knowing looks. Um, uh, appreciative comments. Regular, it's, I think it's like regular, occasional, small rituals. Having coffee together. Taking short walks. It's this constant of like having the struggles of life and then rejoining each other and leaning back onto each other. Right, right. Looking forward to each other at the end of each day, right? That's always something we try to enjoy here. Yeah. Speaking words of endearment to each other that express your special love. So, like, I think a lot of people in, like, my girlfriends and stuff, they had a hard time with porn because they would think that the thing that made their relationship, this relationship separate from or different and special from other relationships is sex. Sex with my spouse mm-hmm. is what makes my relationship different than my re- my friendship with other men. Women think it think of it this way. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, that's what my girlfriend said to me. 
her hu- her husband had an affair and she really struggled with um calibrating this new existence right yeah and her idea was i felt more hurt by this because this is the thing that sex is the thing that made my relationship different than other friendships from people and so it felt extra deep it cut a little deeper for her yeah and i I that makes sense i guess but it that it isn't for me so i think for me the intimacy of our marriage the thing that sets us apart is having goals together and achieving goals together Mm -hmm. is when i'm scared sad lonely um Oh, I, I get where you're going with this. Okay. Whatever. I, or or even in the positives, like if I'm excited to say something positive is going on in my life, being excited to tell you about those things or lean on you when I need that extra support, those are the things that create intimacy for me. Yes. That means more okay. to me than just, I mean, not that sex isn't, that it is as well, but these are the little minutia things that like men I don't think see Yes. How in, okay. that I'm this is connected to um, intimacy. Gotcha. The little inside and joke. A, and sex is a, a. I feel like sex is one of many ways of building intimacy in your relationship because yeah. you learn each other and what each other likes and dislikes. And the same, and that, and that is the same exact thing for. Uh, other areas of intimacy and of, i think that men i know what you like to eat when we go to restaurants yes. versus what you don't like i mean and i think men focus so hard on just the sex that they forget the other parts yes Maybe? exactly that, no that, that is exactly okay. you guys you fill your cup of intimacy up with your sexual um almost solely with that i think you want the other things but you don't know how to voice them so it's not to say that men aren't lonely in relationship it's that you wouldn't you don't know how to recognize it and speak it Mm -hmm. right and i think that that's the same for women well that's and this is that i mean i know people don't believe it and that toxic masculinity idea that idea that as men if you're a man who just kind of goes with the program and doesn't think about these things that you know, there's there's a whole joke about drinking garage beers. It's uh, these guys are lonely. They're in their garage drinking beers by themselves, listening to Creed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's a joke, but it's facts. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's like that's sad. Yes. Like why why are we? But like that's I don't know. That's what what it's like being a man is thinking that this is normal behavior or well th- or this is what marriage looks something. like yeah but i want to be like if you look at the rate of divorce the the ideas around marriage are not working right a normal marriage isn't something you want no no you have to start thinking outside of the box you got to start working you got to start looking at this shit in a unique perspective because I mean, if, if any other industry ran under the numbers that marriage runs under, it's negligence, people getting married and then not tending to that relationship 
and thinking it's just going to stay on track as you grow as human beings and your ideas change and your wants change and think that you're going to go through this without putting any grease on the fucking wheels is crazy. This is crazyville. It is negligent. So you have to like, you really got, I, I think that this is what was really driving me is, is that we were, you are kind of a, a very, um, you are way more isolated than I am. You can really get into your head and just sitting next to me and not talking to me mm-hmm. feels like connection to you. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, it is that feels like connection to me also. Mm-hmm. But when I was young, that was lonely. Yeah. When I was young, I came from a house that had lots of people, lots of opinions, lots of engagement. And even now, like when I listen to my mom complain where like people are kind of disassociating within the household because it's a lot of anxiety in there. Yeah. I, my mom will complain about it and be like, well, everybody's on their phone. And so she feels what? Lonely. Yeah. I want to talk to somebody. I'm lonely. And she has a hard time being with herself. You never notice it. Even if in the the car, she gets on the fucking phone. It's, it's crazy. Like, so sometimes when we learn to see each other in our, in, in these behaviors, it's like things that were really annoying behaviors, you can see the fucking cricks and crooks of it Mm -hmm. and be like, oh boy. Okay. And that's the same with me when I was acting like a fucking bitch the other day in the kitchen and you were like, God, she's acting really crazy. And then you're like, oh, this is hormones Mm -hmm. or, oh wow, she's really afraid. So it's like you take less ownership of that bad behavior and you can get have a little bit more empathy for it. Mm-hmm. Last dimension is contributing to life around us. And it's saying that once you, I think it's saying that once you get your, your marriage on the right track, now you've got energy to give to other relationships and other things and, you know, aging parents or neighbors uh, you know, religious know, institution, kids. children, professional relationships. I, I'm telling you this, having these buy-ins ha- and learning these skills will absolutely transfer into your relationship with your children, will transfer into your relationships at your work, will transfer into your relationship with your parent. It, it just changes your life. And I think the same thing for therapy. When you start having somebody challenge your belief system, those are all the things that will move you towards growth instead of just like, again, spinning your wheels in the mud. Okay. Well, that's the introduction. So uh, we will put a, I don't know, an image or a link or at least the title in the description in the show notes. So if you want to join us and get your own books, you can get them. The, uh, I think you can get them on Amazon usually. I'm not sure. I'll, yeah. I'll dig into it after I, when I do the editing. And then next time we come back to this book, which might be next week, might be two weeks from now, depends on what happens in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to talk chapter one, choosing communication styles, because we're going to talk about the low road and the high road. And we're going to have more stories of our journey of me. And I hope (laughs) I feel like that. I feel like what we were trying to do this whole episode was like, get your buy in to wanting to hear these podcasts. Yeah. So we're going to hear about 
style one talk, style two talk, how <laughs> where I show up, where Josie shows up. <laughs> I show up at spite talk. Oh, that's your favorite. Josie shows up at control talk. I sure do. <laughs> and we still do it to this day. So that's fun. <laughs> so yeah, uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Subscribe. Leave a review. Leave a five-star review. We're still we're still trying to get the five-star review numbers up. And uh, if you are, if you know anyone who, uh, how do we do this? Because I don't want them sending it to their spouse to be like, you need to learn to communicate. S- listen to this. <laughs> what's the, what's the right? You know, it's funny when we started therapy. I, there, he was asking us why we were there. And I was like, we're here because Isaac doesn't know how to fucking talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was my thought. It's like, can you fix him, please? Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. Oh, right, yeah. So it's interesting. It's like, if you hear this podcast and you want to share it with somebody, uh, maybe have a conversation before you send it and be like, hey, I really love you and I really want to Maybe Maybe a better way together. is to say, say to your partner that you think needs this, say, Oh my gosh, I've been listening to this podcast, Breaking Social Norms. You should like and subscribe. And <laughs> they started talking about this book. It sounds really interesting. And maybe pick a gem or two and be like, listen to this. This Isaac dickhead spent $500 at the strip club. Oh. And <laughs> I don't know. Get, no, but here's the thing. You got to warm right them up. Now, and maybe they'll check it out for that. I think everything is so tight financially that where we can find the little bits of help that can help navigate this stuff. Like like maybe you're not in a financial position to be able to go to a therapist and help really unpack a lot of this stuff. And so many people have so many feelings about self-help and we do need somebody to critique our thinking styles. So it's, it's, it's not that I'm downplaying that, but sometimes we're not in a financial position to be able to do all of it at once, but we still need to move towards that direction. And this is a great start of it where you can like start listening to things like this and listen to us and share them with other people and have conversations about it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. All right. Well, you know, proceed as you will. You're going to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's that spike talk. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> A nice preview for the next time we come back to this. Okay. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening regardless. And until next time. We, we love, love you. you.